Christopher and I, and all of us at TDPS, are still grieving the loss of my dear friend and our beloved premier party person, Anne Rice. But my mother's literary legacy gave birth to a diverse and wonderful community of readers and fans who continue to celebrate her work online. We invite you to join them on the Facebook page dedicated to Anne's legacy. That's where you'll receive the latest updates on new editions of her work and all the exciting changes coming to the AnneRice.com website. Also on the Anne Rice Facebook page, you can join the mailing list to receive all the latest news and information about her forthcoming celebration of life in New Orleans. That's at facebook.com slash Anne Rice fan page, no spaces. If you believe, as we do, that Anne's work is as immortal as her characters, then join us at Anne Rice fan page on facebook.com. See you there. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. We have breaking news. Countdown to New Year's. Oh, okay, sorry. We're starting the show in completely different ways. It's not breaking news. It's old news that we're going to verify on today's show. There was a report that the Simpsons creators were going to have Homer stop strangling Bart Simpson on the show. And then I think I saw a report that said that was not true. So right now, in real time, I'm going to Google, Homer will stop strangling Bart. This is this is serious news. This is a hard news podcast you're listening to at TDPS. Is it? This is, well, hardly news anyway. Um, did the Simpsons really okay. ban? Producers call out clickbaiting reports. Okay. This is for Variety. It's coming together. He has not strangled him for several seasons. So these are clickbait reports that are acting like they just made this decision because they're woke or something like that. Whatever clickbait. Why you little clickbaiting and he's strangling Bart, it says. <laughs> Their one comment, Homer Simpson was unavailable for comment as he was busy strangling Bart. Mm-hmm. So perhaps this was much ado about nothing or at least an interesting exercise in blowing news out of proportion. The frenzy erupted after the episode McMansion and Wife, which aired October 22nd on Fox. In the episode, the third of season 35, Homer jokes that all of those years strangling Bart have paid off with a firm handshake. But then he adds, I don't do that anymore. Times have changed. Once people online noticed, that set off hundreds of social media posts and think pieces, some applauding the show for making Homer more of a good dad, while others lamenting the changing times. (laughs) You just can't strangle your kids anymore like you used to. 
People are just so, like, this is a cartoon. Remember when they lost their minds about, I think it was the shoes on an M&M or something and oh. from the commercial, and I was like, it's a commercial for candy. Are you crazy? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, I knew, I know you've you've kind of kept up with The Simpsons after 35 seasons, right? Do you still watch it? I, you know, I don't watch it as often as I, I used to be a regular watcher, and now every now and again I'll watch an episode, but not very often as 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 much anymore. It's it's less. Okay. It does less for me than it used to. A lot of it is more extraneous. Well, you know, it leads me to our the subject of today's show, which is we're wrapping up 2023. Oh, I'm sorry, you were trying for a segue to. Television. I was trying for a segue. Well, your answer was just short enough for me to seg. Uh, the best movies and television shows of 2023. That's the subject of today's farewell to 2023 episode. This is New Year's Eve. Happy New Year, is Happy Eve, Eric New Shark Year, Quinn. almost Christopher. Yeah. Happy, um, Happy New Year. I'm, you know, the days tick by and uh, life just gets better and better every day. I get oh. closer and closer to moving into my new house. You do. Um, it's still an absolute full time job of getting mean. it renovated, but. Um, but yeah, so that's it's happy news, and the holidays are great, and coming back out and spending mm-hmm. time in, uh, in the desert for a season with people like that we haven't seen for the holidays yeah. for years. We haven't done because of the pandemic, and then losing Anne, we haven't yeah. done holidays out in the desert for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's been wonderful. That's fun, um, and. You know, we all we do is talk about TV. Most of our episodes, we talk about a very specific type of television, which is true crime documentaries. And you'd think that would be all that we watch, but you no, would be wrong. No, it isn't. And we went to our party people to ask them what their favorite movies and television shows of 2023 were. And not a lot of consensus. I'll say that right now. People were kind of all over the place. That's interesting. I'll be interested to hear what people had to say. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to start with ours and then go to the party people? Do you want I to think start? that's what we did last time with yeah. the, um, what do you want for Christmas and that kind of work because we got to sort of yeah. spanned around and then during the the segment. So if you don't give a shit about what we think, then you can get right to the party people by, I don't know, fast-forwarding or whatever, but we hope you won't do that. (laughs) There's no point in listening to our podcast if you don't like what we think. Because we're still going to be talking about it even when we get to that segment, so I don't know. But that seems like a pretty good plan to me, unless you have a different thought. It's a good plan. That's a good plan. should we start with television? We should, and I'm being told by our producer in my ear that you invented your own categories for this, like you have have granular best of. Producer. Christopher's uh, now completely in full flight from reality. <laughs> we don't have I a producer. I wish to fuck we had a producer. <laughs> I really Our do. lives would be so much easier. Uh, they I really would have would. one last full-time job. Right, exactly. Um, but but so far, it's really, there's nobody whispering in our ears because I can hear everything that he says. And I actually told him that during the break. And uh, yeah, you know, like I, the thing that, the thing that always happens with these kinds of categories is that after the fact, I think, oh, yeah, there was that one, or oh, I forgot. So I tried to just sort of make a general list of shows that I've really enjoyed watching right. this year. And some of them may be new this year, and some of them may be not new this year. You know, they're just mm-hmm. continuations. So I also did a list of those and just sort of generally. And then some of them I haven't even seen yet. Oh, I, okay. I thought, there are a couple that I haven't seen yet that I'm really dying to um to watch all of them um mm-hmm. 
and uh, and they are really yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I'm. I we have not discussed our choices with no, each we other. Have not. So that's exciting. Do you want to start with your favorites? Um. Yeah. Why, why don't we go back and forth, you and me? Why don't you do one? I'll do one. For favorites, favorite for TV favorites. shows. Favorite TV shows. I'm going to say this up front. It was not a good year for me in movies. I have two favorite movies, and they both feel obligatory. Like, they both feel like they're on there because I needed to come up with two movies. And I was not – I didn't watch a lot of movies this year. I just wasn't – I went back to the theater with you for the first time since COVID. That is – to be fair, I only saw one movie in the theater this year, and – that was and that's on the list. Yeah. But um but that's it. Like yeah, every every other movie that I saw I saw okay. streaming. So okay. I'm counted those. There's still movies. So Okay. So whatever. And I think you'll I think when you hear my list you'll probably add more to yours. Okay, let's just do your list then. Let's do your list. You want to do T V yeah. shows? Do T V shows, yeah. Okay. Um in no particular order, I'm going to my T V my favorite T V shows of the year are Queen Charlotte. Oh my God. No particular order, so that's right. not number no. one. Okay. No, I was a toss-up. The next two are probably toss-up for my favorites. My The next two are Mrs. Davis and Deadlock. Okay. Those are, I would say if I had to pick a favorite, it would be one of those two. It would probably be Deadlock mm-hmm. because it was just so brilliantly Absolutely. written. Just brilliantly written. If you haven't seen it, it is a story. It takes place in Tasmania about mm-hmm. a serial killer is being investigated by a lesbian cop, sheriff, chief of police right. in a very small town with the assistance of one of the most obnoxious um, female police officers in the history of movies and television. They hate each other's guts and they saw, and the crime is actually pretty. Scary, spooky, right? Surprising. So the serial killer. So it's really a good um, murder mystery, but it's also really hysterically funny. The um, now is the season of our discount tents. Oh, will go down as one of the most brilliant pieces of writing. Yeah, and it was it was a sign at um, at a at a at a sporting goods store, right? Where the obnoxious detective goes and sits around to pretend fire. Um, to discuss her problems with the um, mannequins right. that are also sitting around the fires. It is just, it, I, there, there is not an episode that did not make me laugh out loud and scare the shit out of me mm-hmm. all, all along while keeping me baffled and keeping me guessing right along as we headed towards the solution. That, that I have to say. But Mrs. Davis mm-hmm. was brilliant and well-written. I, I have to say, between Mrs. Davis and Watchmen, I am having to rethink my complete dismissal of Damon Lindelhoff um, as a writer and producer because those two shows, mm-hmm. Mrs. Davison, which are where just, did where did your original dismissal of him come from? Prometheus. Well, Prometheus really was the final straw. Right. Like there was lots of lead-ins, and with, there's been some debate, but it looks like he actually was connected to. Um, to Lost. We thought he wasn't, and then he did that big oh, yeah. article he was, and it was back and forth. But I think probably with Lost, but it was, I mean, the it was final when he did Prometheus. Prometheus remains, I'm still not over it. No, yeah. It is one of the worst, uh, ruined, a franchise, beautiful movie, ruined, 
ruined, damaged the career of a child of a friend of mine, like mm-hmm. it, it damaged Naomi Rapace's career. I just think everything about it, the only person who survived it was Ridley Scott because there's no sinking Ridley Scott right. at this point in time. But like, Jesus, that was terrible. But so, but those two, Watchmen and Mrs. Davis are two of the best fucking television shows I have ever ever seen in my life and he's really responsible so Mm -hmm. like maybe he's learned something maybe he started listening to those of us Mm -hmm. okay so there's that poker face Mm. which i loved peacock that's on peacock it's on peacock it's um oh what is her name um natasha Natasha. she is just developed by ryan um Oh, the, who did the onion? Who did Glass Onion and did um, oh, Knives Rian, Out? Ryan Johnson. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, um, yeah. It was developed and written by him. I think specifically for her. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody else playing the part. It's just, it's a genius premise and it's a really fun show. Also, you know, Murder Mystery of the Week, Spy Among Friends. Oh, I didn't. Have we even talked about this? Really, one? really. Like, I'm mm. not usually a spy show person because they always. Turn to this. It always turns out to be the same thing. The enemy is the call is coming from inside the house. Right. It's just it's the endless. But this was a really interesting back and forth about um, a spy from uh, a Soviet double agent working in British Secret Service with. It was uh, Damien Lewis and. Oh my God! I'm blanking on the, the other, the other guy. The um. Was it, um, uh, was it, um, Guy Pierce? It was Guy Pierce. I was trying to make it into, uh, Maurice. Uh, 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 Rupert Ru- Graves? No, no, the, um, uh, three, four weddings and a funeral. Oh, uh, Hugh. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I was trying to make it into Hugh Grant, and I knew it wasn't Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Guy Pierce and and Damien Lewis. It was really it was really interesting. Like that, and there was a uh, Steven Spielberg movie a few years ago with Tom Hanks that was about spies. A Bridge of Spies. A Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Those are the only two really treatments of spies that I have actually liked because they were interesting stories. I love Jean Le Carre, but there's really they're all exposition, and then they tell you what happened. So there's mm-hmm. exposition and Greek chorus, and that's really all you ever get mm. with spy stories, and they just drive me crazy. Yeah. So yeah. doesn't usually you can't really count the um, born. Odyssey no, as no. a spy because that's really action adventure yeah. or thriller. That's mm-hmm. really not a spy thing. And then um, bodies. Oh my god, I forgot bodies. Yes, which we just watched. Yeah. Which I was really and I give you all the credit for that one because I would never have watched mm-hmm. that um, if you hadn't been. The, probably the surprise on the list is Queen Charlotte because I'm oh, not. A, yeah. I'm not a Bridgerton guy, um, yeah. and I just thought they did. God, everything about it, the actress, mm-hmm. the actor, the script, the story, everything about it was really surprising and delightful and romantic. It mm-hmm. was really lovely. Um, I didn't mind that. The, some of the ones that were also rants that I loved watching, but I don't think any of them actually started this year were Heartstopper, mm-hmm. second, definitely second season, Harry Wilde, mm. which is a murder mystery with Jane Seymour that I've quite enjoyed watching, 
Dairy Girls, which I think I just discovered this year, but was really the second season. Ted Lasso was the third season, so it just well, goes Well, you're, you're on, I don't mean to say you're on your own. You're a pioneer because the third season of Ted Lasso was so reviled. I mean, people were just frothing at the mouth about it. I haven't seen it. I don't know I, what that's about. Yeah. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. I was a little trepidatious going into it because people were so you know, losing their minds over it. And then I watched it and went, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty great. I No, yeah. I, I kind of liked it. I was concerned, given where the second season ended, that it was going to lose its charm. Mm-hmm. And instead, they just drove around the unpleasantness of the second, the end of the second season and went straight back to charm. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, that, that Annika. Oh, yeah. Absolutely spectacular. Endeavor, which concluded it was the last season really a brilliant one one of the best series finales i've ever seen in the history of television mm. was the conclusion of endeavor and professor t oh i love professor one that t, you've yeah. quite loved watching yeah. and then the two that i'm looking forward to one of them we're going to do on the holidays together is fellow travelers mm-hmm. can't wait and then there's one called mary and george have you seen this No. This is, it's the guy from um, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh. Zavertine, or I can't even. The British guy, Prince Henry. Yeah. Okay. Um, And he is playing, I guess it's the Duke of Buckingham, but as a young man. And then his mother is played by, oh, the American actress. And she is training him. Oh, yes. To be James I's first lover. Oh my God! I didn't so know that it they, was him. So they can grab power. So right. it's him and um, oh, the kids are all right. Not Annette Benning, but the girlfriend. Oh um, fuck! She was in a single man. She was in Julianne uh, Moore. Julianne Moore. Oh it's my Julianne God! Julianne Moore and him, and she's playing the mom who's molding him to be the gay lover of the King of England, so she can as a power grab. Right. Which is just like. I don't even know if this is historically true, and I don't it care. Is. It is. This sounds amazing. It's based on a nonfiction book that I came out so. last year. Yeah, I think it so. Is. It is, but true. it is really like, oh, that yeah. is going to be. I cannot wait for that. So that's kind of my take on um, the best of television for 2023. <laughs> I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and everyone here at TDPS would like to congratulate my co-host and best friend, Christopher Rice, also known as steamy romance author C. Travis Rice, on the publication of Sapphire Storm, the third novel in his Sapphire Cove series. Sapphire Storm is the drama-filled tale of a forbidden romance that exposes old secrets and incurs the wrath of the powerful and the famous. It went on sale March 7th, along with the first two entries in the series, Sapphire Sunset and Sapphire Spring, it's available wherever ebooks are sold. Congratulations, C. Travis Rice, and congratulations, Christopher. Okay, so it's time for my list of my favorite television for 2023. Yes, what is your favorite 2023 Okay, I'm going to tell you this from the top. We have almost the same list. I forgot to include Bodies, which you reminded me of. 
But I think there's one on mine that you just forgot about that belongs on yours too, which is The Diplomat on Netflix with Carrie Russell. Oh my God, that was fun. I did forget about that. Yeah. I even would I would even have difficulty saying that was 2023. That it seems was. like it was five years ago. I checked. It was 2023. And the re- the way I made my selection was I went to the most popular shows on Rotten Tomatoes, according to the critics, because it just gives you a good inventory of what yes. came out in the past year. And that's where I saw it. And I went, oh my God. That was the first show in a while where I was streaming it on my iPad as I worked in the kitchen because I couldn't stop watching it. And it was so well written. The dialogue was so strong. It was like Sorkin style dialogue. You could, I didn't need to be looking at the screen every it's Rufus second. Rufus Sewell, right? Rufus Isn't Sewell. God, the chemistry Carrie between Russell. those two was just phenomenal. Uh, let's see, Carrie Russell. Who else is in it? A lot of British actors. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. He played Frankenstein in Penny Dreadful. He was fantastic. Rory Kinnear. Just, it was amazing. Oh, right. He was amazing. But the two of them, the combination of her, her staff, and Rufus Sewell, yeah. the chemistry between those two was just, I, it was beyond. It was, but it was also one of those shows with an iffy trailer. I remember I sent you the trailer and you were like, no, it looks like it could be too soap opera y and yeah. not enough. No, politics. it did not. It was not yeah. obviously going to be great from the start. And then it was just fucking amazing. Yeah. So every time it turned the corner, it nailed it again. So, other than that, all oh, of the others no. are. Oh, no, there's one on there that's more I, something I discovered this year, but it did. And I'll explain that, which I don't think you're quite as crazy about as I am. But Deadlock was on my list for sure. Mrs. Davis on my yes. list for sure. Queen Charlotte, I wouldn't have watched if you hadn't called and told me. I would not. I one of those. I did not expect to like it. There was so many raves. I thought, well, I'll try an episode because I watched an episode of uh, episode or two of Bridgerton and just hated it. And yeah. I just thought, okay. But I saw this. Everybody was raving, and I tried it. And wow, what a great show! Yeah, it was really great. Oh, okay. So the thing that I discovered this year, largely thanks to TikTok, a platform on which I have become more of a consumer than a producer, to be frank. Philomena Kunk. Oh, yeah, this that is the more year. yours than yeah. me. Philomena Kunk was started as a British thing, and she had her sort of international debut on Netflix this year with a show called Kunk on Earth. Philomena Kunk is a satire of the pretentious British academic who does a history or science show, mostly history, that I consume almost constantly, which is why I find it so funny. And it is basically what if that show was hosted by a moron. And you have probably seen clips of Philomena Kunk doing interviews that you don't want to believe are real. They're not real. They're just improvised. Yes. The, the scholars are in on it. And she asks them literally the dumbest questions. And she is a wonderful representation of how arrogant stupid people can be. And the, the joy of it for me is watching how the scholars and the professors and the historians navigate her performance because they don't have a script. They have to just sort of, I think they have some idea of what she's going to do and, and the ludicrous things she's going to say to them in interviews. And you see a glimpse of how really smart people have to deal with the world to mm-hmm. sort of survive without bashing people's heads in in a rage. And it's really funny for that reason. And I, every now and then she pops off a one-liner that's really great. It's not all brilliant. It's not all golden. 
Uh, but I really like I, I watched Kunk on Earth on Netflix and then you can go on YouTube here in America and find the British shows, which I if they were able to purchase or stream in a legal way, I would do it. That's usually my policy with YouTube. If there's a way to I don't want to rip off the creators, but if right. there's no way to watch it and somebody's uploaded it to YouTube, I will watch it on YouTube. But she was really one of my favorite things this year and it's fine if you don't like her it's fine we can stay friends I do, we will survive I feel like one of those people that she's interviewing <laughs> I feel like I've spent my life listening to people say things to me like that where I just think yeah, God if I could just kill you and get right. you out of the gene pool I might improve the world a little bit <laughs> just a little bit um, but I don't do that one day at a time and it's, so it's less funny it's it's almost too true to be good. Right. You know what I mean? It's like she's almost too good at it. Yeah. I had the same problem with um, Stephen Colbert when he used to do the Colbert Report. Right. Rapport. Rapport, right. It, it was a little too true to be good. It was mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I don't watch Fox for a reason. Yeah. And this is not that funny for me. And I think that it all came home to roost with that president we had in <laughs> 2016. It's like, see, it's really not that funny. No. This is really not actually funny. Yeah, we no. actually have a country to run in. Government should be boring. And yeah. all of these people, Marjorie Taylor, what's her fuck? And mm -hmm. I can't keep my hands to self to myself while well, I'm vaping Lauren at the theater, Bobert, Bobert and, yeah. and the that asshole president whose mm -hmm. name I will not mention, um, you know, they, they can all go be on some stupid reality show that I don't have to watch, but I don't want those people in my life and no. I don't want to have to listen to them. And no. she's just, the woman who does the part does an oh. amazingly good job, but it's a little too good. It's, it's like, really good. Oh God. Yeah. There was a Saturday Night Live sketch years ago. I'm going to say maybe 99 that uh, Maya Rudolph did. And I think they did it once and it was too true to be good. It was the Brooklyn Post Office, and everyone was hostile and unhelpful. Uh -huh. And I just thought it was the funniest thing ever, but I realized I didn't have to go to the Brooklyn Post yes. Office, and my friends who did were like, their response was just, this is too true to be good. This is not really <laughs> funny for me because this is this is kind of the real story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It can be, you can be too accurate. Too much verisimilitude is not always a good thing. Okay, I'm going to round out my list, my TV list with an honorable mention and this is a YouTube thing technically, but it falls under the heading of television. I would just like to thank whoever runs the Great Docs, D-O-X, YouTube channel for posting all of the local San Francisco NBC affiliate yes. documentaries about the history of San Francisco through the decades. I have been working my way through them. As told by a series of old arguing couples. That's the 50s one, which is a riot. <laughs> As they get more contemporary, people are actually alive from the period, and so they get interviewed. It turns into more of like a photo album reminiscence kind of thing. But the early ones about the earthquake and recovering from the uh, 06 earthquake are just gold. They have a sort of Ken Burns quality, but they're from the 90s, so they're creaky, and they have pan flute interlude music. I just love them. They're and he's even included the local news anchor giving the intros oh, to that's the special. Great. I think they re-aired them all at the Millennium, so there's still the new framing to them is even dated and old at this point. Thank you. I don't know if anybody else is watching them. I am, and I love that kind of archival stuff being available. 
on YouTube. So that's my honorable mention. Thank you to the great docs. You have YouTube enjoyed channel. those. You have shared that. Uh, much you are you have so those. sick of hearing about them. I am not. I yeah. I enjoy that you're enjoying them. I I might even that you've enjoyed them so much. I've been tempted to actually yeah. tune in myself. But because you're a former San Francisco boy, there's more reminiscence about it for you yeah. than there is for me. There's more. You know, you know, you're yeah. the inside baseball kind of guy on right. that particular part of the world. So totally. So I am looking for, as I said earlier, my movie list has two things on it. It was not a great year for me in movies, but you said you thought your list was going to inspire I some of mine. I think that you may add to your movie list based on my movie list. Okay. Do you want me to go? Did you include? Yet yeah, no, you go. But did you include movies that were released in 2023 or movies you saw for the first time in 2023? I did movies that I believe were released in 2020. I don't care either way, because I was like, I came up short on both. I have just not been watching a lot of movies. Yeah, they're too long for you. You can't stay awake that I long. I can't stay awake. <laughs> gotta watch all- Grandpa <laughs> can't stay awake that long. <laughs> gotta watch him at noon when I've had my He's tea. done that. I've got to watch that on Saturday, because I can't stay I can't awake. If I watch it tonight, I won't stay awake. Yeah, so that's, right. I think that does change your movie viewing it does it does so since you're so peppy all the time let's hear your list uh barbie oh okay i really was i was talking with uh brandon uh at lunch today like our our technical designer our technical <laughs> engineer our engineer, sound, sound engineer. designer he's the yeah he's sound maven it's, that just doesn't seem like enough to describe what he is. vice president in charge of everything that, that isn't christopher and me talking about the show um yeah i just was really taken with i was surprised it was not the movie i was expecting i thought it would be silly and yeah i i was poisoned by that video they kept showing of the two of them oh, in line skating yeah at at uh, at the beach that apparently happened right after the end of the pandemic and I mean it was movie production and people were over the moon about it and those day glow costumes I just thought this is going to be silly it's going to be about the outfits it's going to mm-hmm. be about the doll it's going to be and this was really a lot more thoughtful than that and kind of surprising and I I just really it was more there was more seriousness to the story than I thought while still being quite funny mm-hmm. and very entertaining and amazingly well done. I'm not even the biggest fan of that director. Like, her version of Little Women, I just hated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it was even... I did love... What was it called? Lady Bird? Lady Bird. I did love that one. Yeah. That one was pretty great. But yeah. So this was a real redemption for her. You and my mother were like Little Women stands, as they call them. Like super fans of Little Women. So. I've watched all the versions yeah. and I have different opinions. But yeah, I don't know that she did such a bad job, but her script choice... I thought undercut her own work. Yeah, um, but that's a different story, and we're not talking about that. Um, Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. the first movie I've seen in the theater since I don't even know when. The only movie I saw this year in a theater, I thought it was you know undermixed and over um, mm-hmm. overscored. But um, but as you said, as I said at the time, they took a completely uninteresting story. Christopher Nolan took a completely uninteresting story and turned it into a high-stakes, really fascinating reveal about a really interesting and important moment in Mm -hmm. scientific and American history. I just was really – it was very much – the performances were astonishing and carried the entire uh, work, as did the the underlying ideas that that the movie had to talk about. So pretty great. 
Red, White, and Royal Blue, mm-hmm. which I just adored. It was mm-hmm. absolutely silly. It was about as deep as a wading pool, right. and I could not have cared less. It was just spectacular. Loved them. Particularly loved Hazel Dean. What's his name? Nicholas. Nicholas. We need an IMDb. Nicholas Galitzine. Galitzine, yeah. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's such an unfamiliar last name. I can never quite remember his name, but boy, did I like him. Come to daddy. Boy, do I. But yes, for that reason. Yeah, I know. You're very substantive. But also because, no, I'm not. Like that. That definitely counts because yeah. the next thing on my list <laughs> I watched because he was in it called Handsome Devil. And wow. Really? Like if you thought he was hot in Red, yeah. White, and Royal Blue, watch Handsome Devil. I don't know if that was released this year. I think that's actually mm-hmm. also, I'm going to say I lied. That one I just saw this year. And right. I think that's actually an older movie. But wow, that was really great and really fun. And Maybe even gayer than um, mm-hmm. Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is hard to imagine. I loved that. What's her name from uh, Life was in it, who I love. She was also in that sexy thing that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. What she was she amazing mean? in Red, White, and Royal Blue. I mean, not in Handsome Devil. Red, White, and Royal Blue. This is. We need to have constant. IMDb attention. I cannot watch television or movies without IMDb, IMDb in my lap. Changing everything. Her name, oh, come on. She should be in the top. There she is, Sarah uh, Shahi. Yes. She was wonderful. She was maybe the best thing in Red, White, and Royal Blue. That scene with where she, anyway, I don't want to spoil it for anybody mm-hmm. who hasn't seen it. But great deal of fun. Handsome Devil, of course. Haunting in Venice. I don't know that it was the best of that new Hercule Poirot line that um, Kenneth Branagh has done, but it was Gorgeous, and mm-hmm. the and um, I, I love Kelly Riley is just divine. Um, mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh, yeah. I, it was just a wonderful cast, beautiful. I love Venice, yeah, and then you know, fun, creepy, delightful story. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two on my list are maybe a, I'm gonna be an outlier, Renfield. You are on your own on that one. I, I haven't seen it, but loved yeah. Renfield. Wow, Ren, Renfield is basically a Dracula, um, wicked reengineering mm-hmm. retrofit where you see it from the point of view of Dracula's sort of number one um, whipping boy, Renfield, who's mm-hmm. a part of the original story. Um, he's sort of he's not a vampire, but he's got he's gotten a taste for vampire blood and mm-hmm. so he kind of and a taste for blood and so he's kind he looks after uh Dracula who is Nicholas um Holt Holt no no I I'm I'm sorry Nicholas Holt is is Renfield Nicholas Cage is is Dracula um Nicholas Holt is is Renfield um he looks after him when he's asleep and um and and has finally, it's the 20th century, and he's had enough, and he goes to, like, a support group for abused <laughs> for abused spouses mm-hmm. because he can't take Dracula anymore. He's tired of being Dracula's yeah. whipping boy. And it is just really, it is really done well. They really mm. nailed it. It is really funny. It is really, I, I quite enjoyed it. And the other one, which I think will be an even bigger surprise for everybody, was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, really? which I loved. Wow. It was a bomb that made $400 million at the box office, so yeah. I don't know how big a bomb that really is. But um, 
it's it was really back to the like I did not like Crystal Skulls, and I think Mm-mm. Crystal Skulls hurt Dial of Destiny. Right. Um, but Dial of Destiny was really kind of amazing. I think despite Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I actually thought was not very good. I, mm. I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think she's fabulous, and I hope she goes back to writing mm-hmm. because I'm not really sold on her as an actress. I haven't seen her do anything that I'm that taken with. Mm-hmm. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? So it was a perfect sort of wrap-up to the Indiana Jones thing. They brought back Karen Allen. The adventure was fun. Harrison Ford was exactly who you wanted him to be, but he was old. And so it Mm -hmm. was like old. There was this weird, almost supernatural element to it, but it was in and around the uh, the anthropological, not anthropological, but... (laughs) Um, archaeological archaeological um, <laughs> aspect of the of the story it was very well put together my other few were um extraction 2 oh, i loved extraction yeah. and i thought extraction 2 was every bit as much fun it's exactly the same story um guardians of the galaxy 3 i thought was a much better version of that story mm. than guardians of the galaxy 2 which i liked but this was like Wow. Yeah, back on. Equalizer 3. I can watch Equalizer movies mm-hmm. until the end of time. They're like what is what's the um the equivalent that Liam Neeson does? The I've got I've a skill set taken. Yes. I can watch an infinite number of those movies. They're just fun. John Wick 4. I love John Wick. I love the series. Two that I would like to see that I haven't Chevalier mm-hmm. looks amazing. Yes. And Asteroid City, I always just love. Wes Anderson. Yeah. I feel like that Paris edition came out this year, but I, I don't think it did. So I didn't include mm, it in the list. Okay. Or Paris Express, the Paris... Ins- I can't remember, but it was Bill Murray con- making that... Um, it was about him doing a, a being the correspondent to the... Yeah. From, from Paris. Paris correspondent. I can't okay. remember, but... Yeah, Wes Anderson. Love him. Okay, you've watched a lot more movies this year than I have, as we Did it add anything to your list? Well, it added. I haven't seen any of it, so I, I may well, go Red, watch White, it. Red, White, and Royal Blue wouldn't have been Red, on White, your and list? Royal. My list was Red, White, and Royal Blue and Oppenheimer. That was it. Um, mm. 
I enjoyed Barbie. I wasn't quite as it was great. I support Barbie. I don't don't <laughs> don't come for me, women. Um, I, you know, I I I was I was prepared for what it was. I wasn't surprised. It was about what I, I thought it was going to be. I guess that was the be. thing that I was yeah. so, so surprised about was that it was such an unexpectedly more adult film than I thought it was going but to I be. But I also read and by it, that I don't mean Barbie is fucking people. Right. I, I, but I also read everything about it when it came out. So nothing I, I if I had seen it earlier maybe whatever. It was fine. Thumbs up. But yeah, Red White and Royal Blue I was really nervous about because there were a lot of ways to fuck that up. A romance does not work if you do not have chemistry between your lead characters. And I didn't know that whether or not they were going to have chemistry. I knew that neither of the actors publicly identify as being queer men. Oh, yeah. So that was a news story in the beginning where everyone was like, okay, but, you know, this needs to be convincing. The first clips that they showed didn't really work. They, they were a little hokey and stiff, and I thought... I was really dreading it, and I was so happy. And the production values are not amazing. They're not amazing, but I was so happy that it was not what I was afraid it was going to be. They absolutely did have chemistry. Both of those guys did a great job of their performances. I felt there was some necessary deviations from the book. Um, I thought that the supporting cast was did a really good job. Like I was just the book really is a landmark in that it was the first wildly successful queer male romance published by traditional publishing. It is it's really a turning point in the publishing industry and for that reason it's gotten a lot as much flack as it's gotten from as praise it's gotten but it has a loyal fan base and it really did encourage traditional publishers to publish more books like that to go out on a limb that they yes. had not been going out on before. You know, it's become a staple of a lot of the big houses now to have at least one queer romance on their list. I wish they had more, but, you know, like, and Casey McQuinston, who identifies as non-binary, has followed it up with other queer romances about queer women and whatever. Uh, They are not just going to be in this one lane. And it's it's been a really exciting thing to watch. And I think it was the first truly commercially successful book about a gay love story that I can remember that's not tragic. That doesn't end with somebody dying. That doesn't include a pressing social problem like AIDS or all that sort of stuff. You know, it was really, yeah. it was really a turning point. There is some coming out issues in it, but they're sure. dealt with in a loving and sort of upbeat kind of way. They're not um, about people being thrown out on the streets. It was fun and delightful. It was everything that most romances are, which they're not very serious. Right. They, they, you know, most romances that I've loved seeing on the, with some few exceptions, obviously, but but are, are tend to be um, not the deepest stories no. and, and more about the characters and more about the challenges of just making it work with somebody else and how that's sort of lovely and sort of charming and also, you know, yeah, kind of fun. And I have to say, I, it was, if I remember correctly, what you said at the end of Oppenheimer, because we saw it together, was, well, he managed to make a really boring movie very exciting. Which I know, I, I know why you revised yourself, because you, it's not technically a boring movie, but the subject matter is a conversation. It's like a 15-year conversation yeah. that happens between Oppenheimer and a few other people. But it is ultimately, he manages to make this enormous topic about this really character-driven conflict between these two very different men with two very different agendas. Right. And like all of the great movies that he's done, and they've not all been great. I'm, I've not been a Christopher Nolan fan across the board. Interstellar was like, I don't know what you're, you know. It was not his most not successful. His but if something clicks into place in the final scene and you realize, oh, that's what this movie is about. 
that's the movie. Now I get it. Now I get it. And it's not like a big twist is revealed. You just realize in the final moment of resolution what the artist's intention has been right along. You said it about Eastern Promises. You reach the end of Eastern Promises, and it's been about organized crime, and it's been about all these characters, and you realize, oh, this movie is about finding a home for this orphan child. Because that's... And once that happens, it's over. And you're like, oh, wow, that's what this movie was about. I did not realize it. And how surprising. Well, what did you think it was ultimately... Oppenheimer was ultimately about? What was your surprise moment of like, oh, this movie is about that? Well, it was ultimately about that, the Robert Downey Jr. character's complete arrogance and misperception. It was, in some ways, it's kind of the Philomena Kunk thing. It's about how men of science, people, I should say, of science and intellect, deal with people who are frauds and in their way, I thought, you know? And it was how he overcame uh, an attempt by this sort of petty, vindictive... Uh, poser to bring down his career. And I thought, oh, I get it. I get it. It was about, you think it's going to be about man destroyed emotionally by consequences of having started the Cold War. <laughs> and there is a, that is part of the story. Certainly. But, but it isn't, it tricks you into believing that's what it's going to be about. And then you get to the end and you realize it's about something a little bit more character driven and elevated than that. And I and I enjoyed that part of it very much. Yeah, and the cast was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He was he was amazing. Cillian, or how are you supposed Murphy, to say yeah. it? Um, and and Robert Downey Jr. continues to dispatch like it's like wow, this man. Okay, what but an he, actor, Emily Blunt. Jesus yeah. Christ, she was astonishing. Um, the the guy. Aiden, Adrian, Aiden, what the, whatever the, the kid's name is, who I can never remember who was in. There's a whole episode of forgetting the names of actors here. Um, this is your the one you're a fan of who was in uh, Beautiful Creatures all those years And ago. in um, Solo. Um, and yeah, he played Solo. Alden, Ern, Alden, Alan, Eric. Er, er, Einrich. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. If you get one of those last names, it's going to be harder for me it's to remember your name. Okay, but not always. I didn't remember Sarah either, and her name isn't hard. Um, but, yeah, he was, I mean, it really, like, it just went on and on. There was no, there was, it was a very deep bench. Alden, Ernick. Ernick. Yeah, that looks like Ernick. Um, my criticism. Einrich. My of, criticism of Oppenheimer. It is not. It's it's a technical criticism. Okay. Yeah. I want a movie to either be IMAX or not IMAX, and we went to see it at the Chinese theater, which is supposed to be the premier Chinese, uh, excuse me, IMAX theater in the country. And some scenes would be the full IMAX screen, and then the other scenes would shrink to a different ratio, and then whatever. And it kept reminding me that I was watching a movie, and I don't know why that is. I was told by the people who are installing the new home, the, the television systems in my new house, right. that the reason that they switch back and forth is that the dialogue in the regular is better than in IMAX. IMAX doesn't do a good job with the dialogue scenes. And so okay. part of the switchback is that it does a better job of God. And my attitude is, well, then fix that. I know. And just stay in the one format for the whole damn movie. Right. Or don't do it and we'll just go to a regular 70 millimeter screen. Although, to be perfectly fair, the Chinese theater is kind of our neighborhood theater anyway, yeah. so we would probably still be there. But right, I know. if we weren't at the Grove, um, yeah. but yeah, so it is kind of back and forth. But yeah, that 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 was my problem with it 
was the the sound. I thought it was, as I said, overscored and undermixed. There yeah. was times when it was like, I cannot hear a word that anyone is saying. The music is creating an amazing effect and even helping contribute to the move, the mood of the film, but then don't have people talking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm not yeah. asking you for dialogue, but drowning people out with music is never going to be at the top of my list. I'm no. not a fan of that. No, not at all. So I said I was going to do this. I'm going to throw in a book that I've read this year. Okay. I read a nonfiction book that I just found utterly captivating. It's called The Bohemians, Mark Twain and the San Francisco Writers Who Reinvented American Literature. It's by Ben Tarnoff. I thought this this could have been a dry history book. It was like I was walking around Gold Rush, San Francisco with Mark Twain. This book was so... And I had no idea the extent to which San Francisco really shaped Mark Twain's voice. It's really where he found his voice. And this idea that these Western writers were going to invent something that was truly American in style and that all the East Coast writers were really sort of emulating Europeans and what was considered in the day old school. It's a wonderful book. It also introduced me to a gay writer who was part of this set that I had never heard of called Charles Wayne Stoddard. Interesting. Who was uh, friends with Walt Whitman but also worked as Mark Twain's kind of personal secretary slash drinking buddy. Very interesting. He was sort of, when Mark Twain was a hit, the hit toast of London, he fl- flew. He didn't fly over. Nobody flew over. <laughs> Nobody that did not flew. happen unless they could use a broom. They did not fly to London. He went um, to London to sort of work with, be his secretary and listen to him talk while he drank. And he would, Mark Twain would go on and on and on reminiscing about his childhood as Charles Wayne Stoddard I so hope I'm getting his name right. Stoddard is the last name. But um, listen to him basically reminisce his way into Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, that all of these wow. became the basics of, of what became his classic novels. Because at the time, it was a huge hit. He went to London expecting to make fun of the English, and they embraced him at such a level that he did, wasn't prepared for His it. ego was so stroked oh that God. he couldn't do it. They just treated him like royalty, and he couldn't leave for a long extended period. But he started out in Virginia City at the Comstock load, you know, and then he moved to San Francisco with some mining stock. The book is the parts of the book that are not about him are just as compelling because his friends, it's always interesting to see who fell in the shadow of these giants, you know. And the implication I got from the book was that Charles Wayne Stoddard found a way to sort of be Charles Warren Stoddard. Warren Stoddard. Thank you. Charles Wayne Stoddard sounds like he should be on an episode killer, of right? True Crime TV from Club. Ohio. Um, that he found a way to be as gay as he could in that time period and it wasn't compatible with fame. You know, that he went off and sort of found his own. Ina Coolberth was the female member of their group and she became the poet laureate of California at the Pan, uh, Pan Pacific Exhibition and she was sort of one of those stories of women who were just sort of held back in her career by these crushing familial obligations. She was caring for sick relatives, but she was incredibly talented, and she ended up getting her day in the sun in 1915 after the rest of the group had died. I just thought it could be a movie. Like, I just thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. Well, I guess if if we're doing that, then I'm going to say... 2023 was the year that I discovered KJ Charles. Oh, I don't know yeah. when I don't know when those books were written and KJ I want more Will Darling. I'm supposed to do a petition. That was my pro- I said I, I was going to do a petition. Oh my god, but I love her in general. Like I've read other 
books by her and whatever. Yeah. I just particularly love that series. Fun, gay, murder mysteries. I'm telling you, the, nothing like it. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Talk about television shows I'd like to make. Yeah. There they are. Mm-hmm. The, I would love to turn those into little 90-minute movies or something. I just think that such fun, so, so well-written and good murder mysteries, like everything about yeah. them. It's a really great writer. Go KJ. Absolutely. More KJ, please. Go KJ. Okay, so we turned now to our party people and what they considered to be their best TV shows or movies of the year. Brian Healy is going to vote for the second season of Heartstopper. He says this season hits so many feels. I, I mean, had to watch it several times. Just amazing. I could watch it again, too. I'm with you, Brian. Last week, Amy Bellino told us that she wanted all she wanted for Christmas was more Tom Hiddleston, and the reason she said that was because her favorite streaming series is Loki. I'm waiting for it to all be posted, but I loved Loki last time. So is it in two parts? Because I just heard there was a season finale posted. Someone oh, was complaining well, about may, it. Maybe it's the finale has come out. It's in multiple sections, though. It's multiple episodes. So, yeah, yeah I... I think it's, I didn't realize, I, I thought they were earlier in the series than that. I'll, I'll check. Go on with you. Go on with yourself. Tommy, uh, Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther says, I have not seen any new movies this year. And as for TV shows, I primarily watch Sister Wives. I am sad to say that the Brown family is not showing us that polygamy works. When the fer- series first started, I believed it was a viable <laughs> way of life. Now, not so much. Oh, my God. Like, what? as hard as it is to get along with one spouse, I can't imagine having to get along not only with multiple spouses, but of the other spouses. Like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that's too much to ask. Sorry, life's hard enough. Stacey Ransiblin says her favorite movie this year was Talk to Me. That's an Australian horror movie. I don't. I know very little about it. Her favorite series is The Fall of the House of Usher. I've notice seen a, a bunch theme. About she that. says, "Notice a theme." She likes scary stuff. That Stacy. Yeah, and th- I'm not averse, but yeah, it is one of those. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm not watching that. A group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand. Yeah. <laughs> they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural mm-hmm. forces. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Frederick oh, Berthold Fritz Richter uh, votes for Everything Everywhere All at Once as his favorite film, and he said Poker Face the Series was one yeah, of his favorites. loved it. Really fun. I just, Natasha Leone really acquits herself, and I was glad that Ryan Johnson could make the leap for movies and carry that sort of same sort of originality that he brought to um, Glass Onion and, and Knives Out to a, mm. a weekly murder mystery show. Really fun. Lisa Beth Wynn uh, also thoroughly enjoyed the fall of the House of Usher. I loved how much Poe they actually managed to pack into the series. As a lifelong Poe reader, I was positively giddy with all the stories and poems brought to life in new and modern ways. I also appreciated that they made me care about this awful family of hedonistic monsters. I actually felt bad for them despite their evil deeds. I love Succession, but I never once felt bad for the Roys the way I felt bad for the Ushers. And Mark Hamill, my goodness, he was my favorite part. It was very well done, and I look forward to rewatching it. So two votes for Fall of the House. Yeah, of I've seen a lot of that. I'm really tempted, even though it's not really my thing, but it's Edgar Allan Poe, and it's that weird story, and it's kind of an interesting update, so maybe. Okay, let's see. And Justin Justine Adamek who last year said, um, last week, excuse me, said she wanted expensive running socks for Christmas. Yeah. 
which we still want to know about, Justine. I want to know what that would mean. Star Trek Strange New Worlds gets her vote. So much fun. God, I love that show. You know, the biggest, the only problem I have with that show is the shitty Paramount Plus app, which is just really hard to watch television on because it's always buffering and always giving you weird error messages. I've even responded to surveys to, with from Paramount to say, please fix this app. You've got great content. I would watch you a lot more if it wasn't so hard. Mm-hmm. We had two votes for Wednesday. William Matson. <gasps> that was a great show. I can't believe I left that off the list. William Matson and Heather Soliday both loved Wednesday. I did too. Heather also loved House of Dragons. Not as big a fan. <laughs> was not as big a fan. I gave up. But to each their own. Okay. Shannon Reed says her favorite shows right now are Lower Decks and Loki. Oh, Brandon loves Lower Decks. And I can't Oh, that's what it. it is. I thought she was talking about Below Deck, that Bravo reality show. And I was like, oh, oh God. Yeah, no. Don't make Shannon feel bad. No, no. <laughs> Don't want to make Shannon feel bad. Brandon really loves Lower Deck. I keep saying I'm going to watch it, but again, I think the problem is Paramount Plus. I just don't yeah. watch stuff on that app Absolutely. much because it's such a bad app. Absolutely. So, yeah, we had a, lo- a lot of lovely responses. We didn't have time to get to them all. But are you excited for – well, you already said you're excited for something that's coming in 2024, which is the Mary, Mary and George, and George. Show. My God, yeah. I can't wait. I want that now. now. And I'm looking forward to – we did the thing. We did the same agreement we've done with several other shows. We agreed that we would wait and watch all of um, Fellow Travelers together. Yes. Our friend D. Johnson worked on that. Yes, so I'm looking forward we love to D. That. Johnson. We love D. And um, the – you know, oh my God, the two of them and that story and mm-hmm. queer characters being played by queer actors and yeah. you know, a re- oh my God, it just looks beautiful and stunning and fun and it's such an interesting, horrible, evil time in American history. I, I struggle with I, that time period. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, I struggle with that time period, which is my one reservation about the show. But I think. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch that show. So, yeah, two big things to look forward to, and I'm sure plenty more. Now that the strikes are all over and we can all get back to work, hallelujah. Absolutely. um, I'm certainly looking forward to that. And, yeah, maybe we'll um, come up with some stuff of our own. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, so um, if you haven't signed up for our mailing list, you Mm -hmm. should. Um, You'll be eligible to participate, if we ever figure out, in special... um, Special private groups. Yeah. Um, and also, we'll send links to our VIP PP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> added too many P's. Episodes. Um, I, what do they call Inside ep- edition. Inside episodes. <laughs> Insider, Insider episodes. episodes. Right. God, I came up with this title, and I still can't come up. I still can't remember it. Yes. And also, you know, we would say, might not be a bad thing to sign. If you're interested in more details about the Anne Rice Celebration of Life, might not be a bad time to consider signing up for that mailing list, too. It's the only place we'll put information about that because we only want people who are interested in that Yeah. Um, to be. We don't want to subject other people to that if they're not. It's a very specific mailing list. Absolutely. But, but you can sign up for that at anrice.com. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, lots going on, lots coming up. Wonderful New Year. Absolutely. Um, Happy New Year, uh, Eric Shaw Quinn. Happy New Year, Christopher Rice. Let's hear it for a great 2024. Woo. And um, all of our candidates win in the election. Absolutely. (laughs) Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. And Happy New Year.
This is TDPS.